I had a dream that it woke me up this morning about four o'clock. Mm. And the dream was I used to, uh, <laughs> I basically worked in a chain gang for a couple summers. And the guy that led our group, we would just go uh, cut tree branches down, just do like cut grass mm-hmm. all along the city. You were an all arborist. Kinds of, you were a landscape artist. Yeah, except this was less glamorous than that. I don't know. There wasn't shirts and skins? Yeah, I guess there was. Yeah. Unfortunately, the skins were uh, us, you know, portlier boys. 16-year-old boys? <laughs> 16, just good hearty 16-year-old boys. With their shirts off? The guy that led our group was a guy named Ken Jr. Perhaps you've met him or come across him in I know. years in Winesburg. Yeah. yeah. I had a dream last night that he was uh I don't know how to put this. He was he was a rat king. So he, he was wore like, like a big he wore like a big headdress that was fashioned in like a like a rat. Uh huh. It came off his head. And also he had a kingdom of rats that he just commanded. <laughs> like I'm talking thousands of rats. And I bumped into him on the street and he said, I heard you were back in town. <laughs> This is all a dream, by the way. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah. I said, how's it been going? And he just said, well, you know, these guys keep me busy. And he had like a just a stream of rats behind him. Uh-huh. Anyway, I didn't know what to make of that, but it, it disturbed me to no end. I woke up. This guy used to call me his work hand. When he would he would introduce us, people said, this is my work hand. <laughs> and let me tell you something. You may have worked a shitty job out there if you're listening, but you've never had somebody refer to you in 1870s terms <laughs> on the job site. <laughs> yeah, work hand, apprentice, am- amanuensis. I've always liked that one. That's that's something that doesn't get used anymore. It's like Boswell and Dr. Johnson. Like, wasn't Boswell Dr. Johnson's amanuensis kind of? I th- I've ne- yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you, Terrence. I've never heard the f- term amanuensis. You've never heard that? Uh uh-uh. uh. A man you. I've probably come across it in the book and been like, well, I don't know what that is. It's a literary or artistic assistant, in particular one who takes dictation or copies manuscripts. It's kind of okay. like what we were talking about last week. <laughs> Makes sense. I wouldn't have heard of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're because you're not an amanuensis. You are the dictator. I am the one who dictates. No, I was just going to say I've just never had a lot of upside in the arts. Oh, <laughs> like Jesse Pinkman was Walter White's amanuensis at meth. Would you consider meth making an art? Would you consider drug making an art? So that's the thing about it's like when we were growing up the moral panic was about ecstasy being printed on pills and like the pills had like cool graphics on them like smiley faces Not, and the stuff. nike logo the nike <laughs> logo yeah they were afraid that we were going to see that and just immediately have to put it in our mouths yeah oh listen a strange tablet with the mercedes-benz logo <laughs> on it i can't help but stick it under my tongue see what happens uh-huh that and like acid, LSD, like those two, like, um, what do they call that? What do they call that when you are like a artisan of drug 
of drugs, like designer drugs. Is that what they're called? Designer drugs. What are yeah. designer drugs? I think uh, I've only ever heard it referenced in like ecstasy and stuff, but I, I would assume it probably extends to other things. Yeah. It's synthetic cathinones are central nervous stimulants and designed to mimic effects similar to those produced by cocaine, meth, and MDMA. So there's synthetic. So it refers to synthetic yeah. drugs. Well, you remember those little, you remember those like little Xanaxes that were popular in East Kenner, Kentucky, for a little bit. They look like pencil erasers. Yeah, like they came from. I, think I also they, remember being wound up before our DC show, and you said, "Here, have one of these." And I was like, "Where did you get this?" <laughs> was it a pencil? <laughs> yeah, it was one of those. <laughs> you definitely got it off the streets. You I definitely did. got it some fucking holler somewhere. I was like, "Yeah, I'll take my chances with the anxiety." <laughs> I did. I did. I got. I bought. Uh, <laughs> I did. I did. I, did. <laughs> I bought ecstasy for my birthday that year. Or the year before. It wasn't ecstasy. I guess that would have been a, a designer drug because it was actually fluoroamphetamine, which mimics ecstasy, basically. But when I bought them... I've not done drugs with you in years, and I, my opinion is I probably never will again. <laughs> <because>, <laughs> well, one, because you, you've gotten clean, but two, because... Oh yeah, this is basically this, and then you find out it's some chlorofluorocarbon. <laughs> it's close enough. PFC, <laughs> I was taking PFCs. The effects are similar. I, mean. <laughs> I yeah, I was skimming. I was skimming PFCs off of mine waste runoff, and just drinking that. You end up doing fucking coffee pot smack when you do drugs with that. But the, when I bought that, the guy. The the plug he gave me those Xanax. He was like, "You're gonna need these to come down." I was like, "What are these?" <laughs> <laughs> That's it. oh man, you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna have you're gonna wanna have these other fucking <laughs> homespun <laughs> intoxicants and just to offset the effects of what I just sold you. It was I was on the house. I I respected that. <laughs> there used to be honor amongst thieves, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's like, now they just sell you, like, fucking... Just fentanyl-laced. Like. Fentanyl-laced, whatever. <laughs> not not even give you any heads up on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Hold on. I gotta turn on the AC. I always do this. I always start, and I start sweating, like, three minutes in. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Lord, that's all right. Okay, sorry. The, the rat king. Wait, isn't a rat king when rats are like tied up at, on their tails? Isn't that like a magic thing? I I just knew he was some sort of rodent overlord, and he relished <laughs> the rolling costume. <laughs> that's honestly the um the arc an archetype that I really appreciate from like medieval folk tales and mythologies is like i guess i guess you could call it the rat king but it's like basically the person who is the king of the trash heap you know what i'm saying it's like you've reached the tallest you've reached the highest station in the shittiest (laughs) the shittiest (laughs) world possible you know what i'm saying the king of shit mountain yes simpson would say yeah yeah the king of shit mountain Yeah. yeah it's a good archetype yeah yeah, I always, nobody really wants to be like Joe Biden, but a lot of people want to be like, you know, a mafia boss or something, you know? Yeah. 
some sort of under underworld figure. You want to be an overlord of an underworld, is what you're saying. You, no one wants to be God. That's the, that was Satan's always like biggest sell. It's like no one wants to be God. Everyone wants to be Satan just because being the king of the underworld is a ultimately a better, more rewarding job probably than being God. From a PR standpoint, for sure. <laughs> yes. Especially these days. Yeah. And two, a lot less responsibility. That's true. You know. Too much responsibility with God. Yeah. Let's call it what it is. If he's out there, he's not really doing a bang up job these days. You think God you know how like some manipulative bosses threaten like they're gonna quit? Like in order to like get you to plead them to stay on. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah, like yeah, no, yeah. don't quit. No, no. It's like I like I do every two weeks with this show, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that I I wonder how many times God has done that. It's like I'm done. I'm fucking done with this shit. <laughs> I'm fucking done with this bunch, man. And Gabriel In fairness in fairness to the most high, he did say that he repented that he ever made man. Yeah. That's he, pretty that's that's uh it's pretty heavy and you think about it. You can't blame him. <laughs> He's like, hey, yeah, yeah, okay, am I perfect and omnipotent and all these things? Sure. But I did make one oopsie there. <laughs> you think Everybody God has perfect? He's like, you know, has like an imposter syndrome. This is the thing. Like, you do you remember? Maybe maybe this is more a me thing. Like, doesn't seem like you trafficked in these circles as much as I did when I was a teenager. But did you ever have like a deep, a, like abiding anxiety over being a poser? <laughs> Uh, you know, what's interesting is more so now than then, but not about being a poser. <laughs> now? But about being washed. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, not like a, that's not an authenticity question. It's a, am I too old to do this question? Right. You know what I mean? For the first time in my life, I feel uncool. Oh, yeah. Which has been, which has been hard for me. Well, that's the thing. It's like when you were a teenager. See, this is not new for me. I'm I'm not new to being uncool. You've always been pretty cool, man. That's true. And uh, but it's like when I was a teenager, like the skaters were very militant about letting you know that you were opposed. Like if you wore skater shoes, like skateboarding shoes, you know, like etnies. Uh, you had to you had to show and prove. Yeah, you had to you had to show that you actually knew how to use those etnies. Yeah. But see I I hung out with a lot of skaters because I played in punk bands, but I never skated. And I always thought that was unfair. It's like I couldn't skate. Like I just didn't I tried. I just could never improve and so I just you know, it's just like this is stupid. Yeah, I guess it's probably a little different in Eastern Kentucky because none of us were that damn good. So there was no king of the underworld situation where that got to, you know, right. decree who was who was the real heads and who were the posers. So yeah, I I had no sauce, man. Well, that's that's all right. I have an idea for a soap opera. <laughs> which, which brings me <laughs> I'm sauceless which brings me to my next idea <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a, a soap opera called The Sauce and the Sauceless <laughs> oh god you know this is too topical right now why 
Because I just I have been having a real conflict of something, you know. Like you're you're you you have a um you have an anxiety over. A- I'm going to tell you what it is. Yeah. All right, I'll just be vulnerable. Okay, this please. is behind the paywall. I'll be vulnerable. Actually, start. I don't think... We're recording this one in advance because I'm going to have to be out of town this week, so I, I don't think... Huh. You're going to have to be vulnerable on Main Street. I'll be vulnerable on Main Street. <laughs> you know, as we talked about several times, the heavy hand of time comes forever, man. Uh-huh. And uh, I think it just happens when it's nearing another birthday. Yeah. Plunges you like ever closer toward another decade, which seems like it's going to be fine, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I had to look myself in the eye the other day. I actually did this as an exercise. Yeah. I looked myself in the mirror and I asked myself a hard question. <laughs> which was, "Am I a loser?" <laughs> And I'll be honest with you, I don't have, I don't have a resounding answer on the topic yet, dude. And I'm not looking. Listen, those in the comments, I'm not looking to be coddled here either. I you're don't not, want you to say, "No, Tom, you're not a loser. You're very cool." <laughs> I wish I could be like you. No, no, I don't need that. I don't need that. I need some tough medicine. Well, it's like, see, this is why we still need to be in the church, because. I don't know how many youth pastors were like, it's okay to be... You know who also was a loser? That's right. (laughs) You guessed it. You guessed it. Potiphar's wife. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, that's not what I was thinking. I thought you were going going JC. Oh, no. Oh, no. JC was not a loser. Not at all. What? The king of kings? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) You... Yes, very much a loser. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Being a loser is all right. It's once you've lost everything that you can truly gain something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tyler Durden. <laughs> yes. Once, it's Tyler Durden. Once you've lost everything, you can You're truly free to gain. do anything. You can truly yeah. do anything. Yeah. Just be okay There's with There's a it. lot of guys living by that maxim. Just lose what losing everything? Well, they've a lot of us have their own elect, but <laughs> well, this look, I uh, ever since the flood, it's like every week I meet a new person who tells me a new story I haven't heard yet about the flood, mm. and I ran into a guy two weeks ago who I hadn't seen since the flood, and I was like, "Man, how have you been? I haven't seen you since the flood." He was like, "Oh man, the flood changed my life." He was like. He's he was like the flood the flood was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> that it's like one of those guys that's like, Yeah, man, twenty twenty is the best year of my life. <laughs> I was like, What what do you mean? He was like, Oh, I lost everything. He's like, I he's like, I lost everything and he's like, and that was good. I needed to lose everything. Like I had too much stuff. And it just he was like, My house, like I was like a pack rat. I just had too much stuff and just washed it all away. <laughs> and now like the dis- like the decision was made for him. The decision was made for him. Yeah. You know what? I I kind of respect that word worldview in a little bit. Yeah. I think it's a little crazy, but yeah. you know. Yep. It is uh <laughs> Yeah, he was like I lost every He's like I lost everything and then I got a big check from FEMA. So it's fine. <laughs> I was like, "Oh man." 
That's literally uh, the first person I've talked to who's like been glass half full about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm be honest with you, a lot of people talk about this was shitty. Not I said the cat. Yeah. <laughs> Got me a little thirty-two thousand dollar check from FEMA and all this shit. I was like <laughs> wondering if I should give away or not. Well, uh huh. It's out of my hands now. What is what is the premise of the Young and the Restless? Um, Young and the Restless focused on two core families, the wealthy Brooks family and the working class Foster family. After a series of recasts and departures in the early 80s, all the original characters except Jill Foster Abbott were written out. Uh, Bell replaced them with two new, with new core families, the Abbots and the Williamses. So the, the sauce and the sauceless works. I mean... I didn't really get into the Young and Restless. My family were more God and Light people. Uh, uh, and as the world turns, they really liked as the world turns too. General Hospital over here, little GH, little GH, yeah. My uh, one of my professors in college played a bartender in General Hospital. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. He said I had two lines. What'll it be, Mac? <laughs> <laughs> nice day out there today, huh? <laughs> just the you know, just claim to fame, just like. Because, you know, like on Eastern, it's like this in any rural place you go to. It's like the um, the only celebrity from my county that is like acceptable, right? Because like there are celebrities from various places. Like there is a woman from my hometown who writes for South Park. But like you can't really advertise that as your like claim to fame because it's South Park, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, but uh but like Brian Erlacher, who is from my like not hometown but twenty minutes away, like you know that's like home of Brian Erlacher. When you're driving in and you see the dairy farm and the cheese plant that says uh, "Home of Brian Erlacher Farms," yeah, 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 yeah. But or you come into Whitesburg and of course you see Francis Gary Powell. Francis Gary Powell. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> we still have the cyanide. So the cyanide pill. Did it <laughs> yeah. come back? Did the cyanide pill come back to Letcher County? <laughs> Is it inside that statue out front of the courthouse? Yeah, it's like the most desperate son of a bitch gets the this gets the most glorious prize if he breaks it open like a pinata. Like the cyanide yeah. pill comes uh, out. <laughs> if you if you've went without a cold job for longer than three years, you get you get the cyanide pill. He gets to break open the Francis Gary Powers statue. And eat the cyanide pill. Yeah, <laughs> I love I love it so much that he didn't take the cyanide pill, and when he came back, everybody was like, "Fucking pussy, bitch!" <laughs> Just it's like, like yeah, like you all would have too. <laughs> it's like after the Vietnam War, you know, there was all those like myths and stories about like veterans coming home from the war and hippies spitting on them, even though that uh, never my, happened. Yeah, my mom said our boys came back. They spit on. They spit in their face. <laughs> It's just like maybe happened one time, and it was probably over like a marital dispute, like or something. You know, yeah, I mean? it's like, like a strictly anecdotal thing, and then it just became like what was happening to our veterans, right? But that really did happen with Francis Gary Powers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you didn't kill yourself, pussy. Could you imagine that, like foaming at the mouth, people? When would that have been? The sixties, early six. I think. 59 is when his plane 50, went in, I think. Yeah, late 50s, early 60s. And coming home and people were like, 
Uh, why didn't you fucking kill yourselves? You have secrets that the our <laughs> our enemies <laughs> in Siberia would love to have. You didn't fucking kill yourself, <laughs> like Christian people just saying, "Why didn't you fucking kill yourself, Gary?" <laughs> and then I like that Gary took it a step further and kind of flouted that a little bit. Yeah, he died in a helicopter crash, which is even a <laughs> int- more interesting kind of detail to the story. I think he like went into. I think his like obviously his career sort of plummeted after that. I think he was doing like newscaster shit by the end of his career. He was like a helicopter pilot maybe, like flying around like newscasters, I wanna say. Huh. And they're like, Hey, aren't you Francis Gary Powers, the <laughs> the spy the spy pilot? The that- spy pussy? The spy yeah, the, the, the spy who pussed out. <laughs> New James Bond. The spy that pussed out. <laughs> the spy that bitched out. Gets no money, no bitches, no gadgets, nothing. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, you're just immortalized as a coward. <laughs> the spy that bitched out. Yeah. <laughs> Ian Fleming just sit down in some palatial in Jamaica just getting ready to write a story about you because you wouldn't take a cyanide pill for the earliest iteration of the deep state yeah dude yeah dude I mean what's the equivalent today like if someone was shot down in Iran like or uh, China it's like fuck no nobody's not- expected to take the cyanide pill now no we got diplomacy on our side, sort of. Yeah. It's, what they should have done. will get you home in the next three years. All right. What they should have done was they should have made the cyanide pill like those designer drugs and put like smiley face, a smiley face on it. So Gary, Francis Gary Power sees it. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take that. It's like, oh, yeah. That <laughs> looks great. Yeah, I could use a little, a little mood lift. <laughs> This is a bad situation. I'm down in where did he, where did he crash land? Somewhere Russia, in the so- somewhere. Soviet Union. Um, I'd I- give the Soviets everything I had and only ask for like a little dacha in return. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, fuck these guys. <laughs> They're gonna spit on me when I go back home anyway. <laughs> Dude, taking a cyanide pill seems so fucking st- like you. You f- don't you actually literally foam at the mouth, or is that just a movie thing? Hard to say. It's like you you bite it in your mouth. I always thought it was tight when uh, when this happened all the time when um, dudes would come to school with cyanide capsules uh, surgically inserted into their cheeks and they could <laughs> they could bite it and die that way. <laughs> That's the thing that happened. That's the thing that was happening in Lee County, New Mexico, in the nineties. <laughs> That's right. It's like, tribute to the girl? spy that pussed out. <laughs> what would be even better is if the spy that pussed out inspired a nation. Right. Like he became like some sort of folk hero. Yeah. Woody Guthrie just wrote a song about <laughs> old Francis. <laughs> Gary wouldn't take nary a suicide pill. Oh. Uh, yeah, Woody Guthrie just... Writing a folk ballad for Francis Gary Powers. Like, dude, okay, you want to talk about looking in the mirror and seeing a loser. It's like Francis Gary Powers was a loser. That's all right. It's okay to be a loser. 
who are some noted losers that are cool though? Notorious Actually, losers. Probably most cool people are losers. Or is it most losers are cool people? Like which one comes first? Is it hard to say? I feel like most cool people end up being losers. Okay. Most cool people end up being losers. Like the guys that are like a little too cool in high school. Yeah. Usually end up being not so afterwards. Right. You know what I mean? You have to have you have to have um an acceptable level of cool. Otherwise it's going to lead to ruin in your life. Yeah, I think that I was I was like borderline loser in high school because I was like Christian but I played music and hung out with the skate kids. So it's like I was the accepted poser. They, yeah, they're like, eh, we gotta have one, I guess. We gotta have one. I was the token poser. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, we need somebody around to <laughs> to have a cheap laugh at their expense. So. <laughs> Come on in, buddy. And that built character. That's who. That's why I am who I am today. Oh god, that's what you need to do. You need to be the loser on the inside of the cool kid circle. That's what you want to be. You. I guess this is kind of this flies. Yeah, you want to you want to be a loser diplomat. Mm-hmm. A loser diplomat. Yeah, you want to be the the emissary, the ambassador to other groups. Yeah, who are losers? You don't like, want to be in the in crowd. What you ideally want is you want to be able to go to a table full of cool kids and have a word with the head. <laughs> Because you're, you know, it's you have a respected position as an emissary, right? Without getting kicked into the pit like on three hundred. Invariably, invariably, one of the king's men is going to step in front and say, uh, "Beat it, clown!" Before I send you back to wherever it is you came from in a body bag, and then the 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 king goes, "No, no, no, Jeff, it's okay. He's an emissary. He's an emissary. <laughs> Come, let's take a walk." <laughs> What new what new what news do you bring from the lower reaches of the kingdom? <laughs> <laughs> First I wanna offer tribute. A little schoolhouse pizza. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> Kathy Jefferson wants a little piece of the action. Yeah, I overheard her saying that she just uh you know, she's sweating you a little bit. Uh yeah, That's... keep the king and some pussy. You get you can curry a lot of favor with him, dude. Yeah, um, pussy and money and weed. Yeah, you know what I mean. Keep them supplied in all of those. Yeah, things. an emissary has to bring a little tribute. You have to bring part. Some fried burritos. <laughs> yeah, bring some fried burritos. Bring yeah. some yeah designer drugs. Some sort of carbonated beverage if you're not really tied to the underworld. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. In a beer, non-alcoholic yeah. beer. Because that's what cool kids are into now. They're into non-alcoholic <laughs> beer. Um, Zero sugar uh, beverages. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is a blueprint. This is a rubric for success. Because, like, life, the weird thing about life is that it's all a weird mixture of um, contingency and being in the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the right time. And it's an interplay off of your very personality. So, like, everything at the end of the day is kind of a game of chance. But 
like Mark said, men do not make history under conditions of their choosing. So, like, what you want... <laughs> no true words ever spoken, be no true words. honest. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's like, what you want to do, if you... This is like, this is the thing, like, I wish... I wish at 12 years old I had I had known what I know now. But what you want to do is you want to just kind of thread the needle just right to where you're sauceless in high school, but then you get sauce after high school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you want to be simmering in high school. You want to be simmering. Out, but you, you don't want to be done. Yeah. You don't want to be cooked through. You still want... You need to grow into it. Grow into a nice sauce. That's exactly right. Like, don't throw in the herbs just yet. You don't want to peak in college either, because the further I get from that, I realize there's a, a guy that peaked in college thing, which I flirted with for a while, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Luckily, I did not even come close to peaking in college. That's, that's, uh, that's like, something I narrowly, didn't even narrowly miss. It's like no. I didn't even come close to it. I flew too close to the sun on that one. I was one of those guys I woke up... <laughs> Seven years post graduation, I was like, man, every story I tell is about some sort of college hijinks. <laughs> I got to diversify. Uh huh. So I started making up <laughs> a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You just start making stories up. Yeah, yeah. This is the thing about like, dare I even mention it? But that's the thing about like Nanette. It's like stand up hey, comedy. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I ain't going there with you. <laughs> <laughs> My only point is that stand-up comedy is mostly stories, right? It's yeah. like st- yeah. that never happened. You know what I mean? Like you write jokes, or or happened, uh, but it's got some embellishments. Em- embellishments, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, how do we know that this new kind of stand-up comedy isn't also just embellishments and stuff for the sake of telling a good story? Let's or, face so, it. or somebody like that Burt Kreischer dude who yeah. not only lies his ass off, but his stories are not that interesting Exactly. <laughs> Let's face it. Everybody with trauma knows that most most traumatic experiences are extremely just mundane and banal. That's the kind of most maddening part about it. trauma. Well, that's why, that's why um, uh, you know, we have this oral tradition as humans, though, right? It's because in order to keep our name alive after death, we have to have taken the truth. That's like Tony Wilson's maxim in 24-Hour Party, people. When given the choice between the truth and the legend, always go with the legend. Yeah. You know. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, this the thing. Like Maybe Ga- Francis Gary Powers is the hero we need because he was a legendary <laughs> loser. He was like, even the legend couldn't stretch the truth. He just, <laughs> he unfortunately, he flew too close to the sun, literally. Quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Can you imagine being a spy plane pilot in the fucking 50s? <laughs> yeah, dude. I think they were those gli- engineless gliders. I've been in one of those, by the way. You want to say more about that? <laughs> yeah, I had, this, I had this weird summer, quote unquote, job one year. Like Hobbs, Hobbs in Mexico. the air. You were in one of those. I was in the air. Yeah, I was up in the air. Did you go to them and say, "Listen, a personal hero of mine is you two spy <laughs> spy pussy uh, Francis Gary Powers"? 
I'd like to know what he felt that day he made his fateful choice uh-huh. to not kill himself in the force of the Soviet Union. This is this is my people, man. It's like I'm telling you. It's like that's why everyone in my hometown had the cyanide capsules and surgically inserted into their cheeks. These are my people. Some people are water people. Some people are land people, and some people are air people. Yeah, me and my people, we were air people. Okay, we were. We were like. What it was, Hobbs, New Mexico is... When, consi- when I think of aviation, you're the first person I think of. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm not scared of flying. <laughs> That's why I relish it. It's like why... That's why every time I go up, I'm like, maybe this is my last day on Earth. And I... And I it's like sitting bull. You know, like sitting yeah. bull before the battle of uh, Little Bighorn. Like went out right. and said, today is a good day to die. Yeah, so like, today's a good... Yeah. That's how I feel every time I take a flight. I'm like, I, I, I greet it with excitement, but also the solemnity that I know it deserves, the seriousness that I know it deserves. <laughs> and, and the puncher's hope that maybe it'll go down and make the choice for me. <laughs> <laughs> you like that guy in the flood. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, I mean, that's, that's it. Like, I've seen... I've seen a lot of people die a lot of different ways, and I think at this point I've decided that I would kind of like to have it. I think I do think dying in a plane crash is probably the best way to do it for for several reasons. One, it's immediate as soon as it happens. Obviously, like it's just immediate and you're you're gone. But two, you do get like a few minutes of reflection. You do get that like kind of, you know, like you're not going to get that if someone like no scope snipes you in the forehead you know then you're just out or if you have a sudden heart attack and you're just dead you want you so what you want is that few minutes of terrible reflection yes and then a painless death to follow that's exactly what i want because i what i don't want you want to feel the death sting for about two to three minutes and then you want to just no longer be (laughs) expire but but not in a painful way and just like a Sudden impact, dead on impact kind of why. Exactly. Because what I don't want is six to nine months of rumination and reflection on my, you know, the impending expiration date. I don't want Awful way to go. No, it's dark, man. It's depressing. It's like, imagine... (laughs) (laughs) Is there any way we could just sort of, you know, uh, condense all this nine months of reflection into about two to three to five minutes? (laughs) (laughs) I think it'd be great. It's for, it's fine. <laughs> but Hobbs, New Mexico is known as the soaring capital of the world because it's like on a high plateau, the Llano Estacado. It's like on a mesa and it's got these wind drafts above it that like people take their soaring competitions up there all the time. And what you do is you have a plane, like a tow plane, and you hook the plane up to the soar, the soarer, the soaring plane, whatever. Yeah. And then the tow plane takes the soar plane up into the air and lets go. It, like it unhooks the thing, like once you get to a certain altitude. That summer, where they call you the sorcerer, but stylized <laughs> as soar, S O A R, sir. I was the sorcerer, yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> dude, I was, dude, I was such, I had so much swag that summer. It's unreal. That summer, <laughs> you're just up there on that primitive device, like walking out on the on the airplane. You know, like people, used to, the daredevils, like they play like tennis on like the little wings of like one of those single engine open cockpit planes. From dude, I had so much. I, like I was. Going into seventh grade, the summer going into seventh grade, I was like spitting game at the high school girls that were there. Just had no, no awareness of how absolutely sauceless I was. You know You're what I'm like, saying? Perhaps you saw me up there in that glider. <laughs> perhaps you saw me doing a fire dance with two fire sticks up there on the <laughs> wings of that. And maybe you said to yourself, "Hey, I'd like to. I'd like to know that guy." Well, here's your chance, baby. <laughs> By the time this episode airs, because we're having to record this in advance, I might be dead. It's possible that this episode might be airing the exact Dude, minute if, my, if my if plane I put is this going out to... on If I put this out on Wednesday and you die in a fiery crash on Wednesday, I say, well, you know, he died as he lived. <laughs> <laughs> Wanting an end with just a little bit of terror. <laughs> Yes. It's like you would immediately become famous. All of my prophecies about 2024 will come true. Dude, this, there's no bad thing here. There's no bad thing here. God, you would, it would be funny. Well, it wouldn't be funny. But if you if you met your end and then Joe Biden met his end in October, as you <laughs> predicted, and then future <laughs> generations just look at you as this, like, Nostradamus character... <laughs> And like every mundane thing you said, they've just like kind of apply some like uh, confirmation bias to it, uh-huh. so, and you're known as like uh, prophet soothsayer. Yes. <laughs> That's what I've always wanted it to be. It's like when I was a kid, I always thought that like being a a prophet seemed prophecy seemed like a kind of magic that was attainable. If you grew up in the church. It's like you you knew you could never like move shit with your mind or cast spells and hexes on people, but you might be able to be a prophet. Like that was a good magic inside Christianity that like felt attainable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, prophet felt like it was uh, a a noble goal, but yeah, but obtainable. Yeah, there was that healing people. Those are the only two good magics in Christianity. Faith healer is pretty good. Uh, it's hard though because prophecy like you could be like nebulous enough to where like oh man he was was right about this but all you really said was some vagaries Mm -hmm. faith healing you kind of have to put up or shut up or it's not good for business (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) or stick to the lower diseases that we're probably going to resolve anyway (laughs) I don't don't heal cancer I don't heal autoimmune disorders my ceiling, guys, is viral meningitis. <laughs> That's about as high as I go. I don't do bacterial. <laughs> it's, it's too high of a mortality, right? It is. I got viral meningitis once, and the doctor asked if I slept with men. I was like, what does that have to do? <laughs> I was like, what? Why does it have to do? <laughs> Son, do you have gay sex? <laughs> What's that got to do with I probably like drank after somebody. It's <laughs> shouldn't it? I, I I I did not know where the what that had to do with <laughs> anything. 
<laughs> I need sleep with men. <laughs> what does that got to do with anything? Eh, just for my own record. Just, just you look, curious. It kind of looks like you did. <laughs> I'm just wondering. I got the vibe. and. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just trying to get to know my patients a little better. <laughs> You're sitting there at the stiff neck feeling like shit. Like, no. <laughs> uh, that did suck. It just gave me a bunch of Vicodin, and I went home and watched Breaking Bad for like three days. <laughs> it sucked. Um, yeah. Speaking of speaking of air travel, I don't want to to let this get out of the news because because like the Supreme Court is like in the news right now. Obviously, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> I don't want this to get out of the news because it like came and went very quickly. I think what it what it happened was it got buried in the the submarine story. Mm-hmm. Um, but Justice Samuel Alito published this op ed in the Wall Street Journal about you. You remember how at the beginning of the show we used to have a bit called "Getting Out in Front of It." You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Samuel Alito knew that ProPublica was about to publish this expose of all these private jet trips and, like, um, fishing trips that he had taken with these billionaires. Yeah, yeah. And, like, before they could publish this expose, he published an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal that was like, uh, I did this, and it's fine. I did this, and, of course, like, we all have got friends that, you know... (laughs) <laughs> own the cattle of a thousand hills <laughs> walk on streets of gold when i think the 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 person that gave him this these gifts like frequently argues cases in front of the supreme court let, let me let me just read the article um it's in the new york times justice alito defends private jet travel to luxury fishing trip Justice Samuel A. Alito Jr. took the unusual step late Tuesday, this is June 21st, of responding to questions about his travel with a billionaire who frequently has cases before the Supreme Court, hours before an article detailing their ties had even been published. In an extraordinary salvo in a favored forum, Justice Alito defended himself in a preemptive article. Um, his response comes as the justices face mounting scrutiny over their ethical obligations to report gifts. Um, the justices have taken differing approaches that it talks about Harlan Crow and Clarence Thomas, um, and John Roberts. And he's got like, I think they were trying to bring him to Congress to testify about ethics or whatever. Justice Alito has come out swinging. The ProPublica article centered on a trip Justice Alito took to a remote part of Alaska Arriving on the private jet of Paul Singer, an immensely wealthy hedge fund manager and Republican donor, the flight would have cost more than $100,000 one way if the justice had chartered it himself, and his annual disclosures make no mention of the trip in what many experts in legal ethics said was a violation of federal law. It's like, okay, so it's like, I know that, um, it's, it's like, I know that it's pointless to, to point this out, and I, and in fact, I know that the thing about conservatives now is that a, we're proudly racist, and B, we're proudly hypocritical. But I guess just for the historical record, it's like two days ago they said that the student loan forgiveness thing was unconstitutional. And at the same time, like, again, it's it, it, feels, it feels almost 
uh, disempowering to even point this out, but it's like the same people saying that are taking like million dollar trips with billionaires. I know, I love it. <laughs> I love it. They're like, uh, you remember, <laughs> you remember in 300 where you had those like weird old mystics that were like covered in boils on the hill and they'd have like the virgin girl like get high off like some kind of sulfurous fumes. Yeah, 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 and then yeah. she was like the oracle, and then they would just whatever they would interpret it as like whatever their wealthy benefactors in the Persian Empire, which was all backwards and fucked up anyway. Uh huh. <laughs> that's what the Supreme Court's basically like, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, th- this is interesting. I didn't know that they also took a case, the dog toy case. The Supreme Court ruled that the First Amendment did not protect a chew toy for dogs that resembles a bottle of Jack Daniels from a lawsuit claiming trademark infringement. Huh. So you can make dog toys that resemble bottles of Jack Daniels, and it's totally cool. Um, Justice Alito said he had spoken to Mr. Singer only a handful of times, including on two occasions when Mr. Singer introduced the justice before speeches. It was and is my judgment that these facts would not cause a reasonable and unbiased person to doubt my ability to decide the matters in question impartially. <laughs> um, he added that he did not know of Mr. Singer's connection to the cases before the court, including one in which the court issued a 7-1 to one decision in favor of one of Mr. Singer's businesses. <laughs> but Mr. Singer's connection to the case, Republic of Argentina v. NML Capital, was widely reported. Okay, what? So this guy was, like, doing... I guess he had, like, loaned Argentina... Because I feel like there's always an Argentina sovereign debt crisis. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, about every seven to eight years, uh, one of Shakira's (laughs) ex-boyfriends becomes president, (laughs) and they just fuck everything up so bad that, like, everybody pays, like, for a loaf of bread with seven wheelbarrows full of some sort of Argentine peso. (laughs) Uh I guess this guy was partially responsible for that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, Justice Alito said he was not required to disclose, disclose the trip on Mr. Singer's private jet uh, in a seat that, as far as I'm aware, would have otherwise been vacant. He's just hitching a ride, man. Is an empty seat? He was just hitching a ride. Why not? Um, let's see. Uh, in his essay, Justice Alito disputed the notion that the fishing trip was particularly fancy and probable as a cat. Republicans account of extravagant. Was it in Argentina? It was in Alaska. Oh, actually, well, it uh, wasn't particularly fancy. <laughs> uh, he said, "I stayed for three nights in a modest one-room unit at the King Salmon Lodge, which was a comfortable but rustic facility. As I recall, the meals were home-style fare. I cannot recall whether the group at the lodge, about twenty people, was served wine. But if there was wine, it was certainly not wine that cost one thousand dollars." That's right. It probably cost two thousand dollars. Probably double. King, I want to see what the King Salmon Lodge runs for for a night. Well, it's booked out three months in advance, and it's four hundred dollars a night. So it's <laughs> modest, mo- a modest one one unit that's on par with a night in the fanciest hotels in this country. <laughs> That's crazy. A hotel room that costs four hundred dollars a night is, uh, I mean, like even like a four star hotel or whatever, 
like in Lexington, that'll probably cost you like 150 a night, right? Like a good a good hotel. Yeah, if you stayed at the 21C or something, like a nice hotel, it would be like probably about 200 something. Mm-hmm. So it would cost twice that, and we're talking in Bristol Bay Borough, Alaska dollars. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anywhere else, you're talking probably six, seven, eight hundred a night. <laughs> uh huh. Um, among those who helped organize the trip was Leonard Leo, a longtime leader of the Federalist Society. In a statement to ProPublica, Mr. Leo wrote that justices across the ideological spectrum had received hospitality from friends and supporters and that their judicial work had been unaffected. We should all wonder whether this recent rash of ProPublica... The guy from the Federalist Society said that the, that the judge's impartiality had been unaffected. Uh-huh. Good to... Um, okay, that, that, that helps me sleep easier. Listen to his statement. He said, we should all wonder whether this recent rash of ProPublica stories... Okay, so ProPublica also published the story about Clarence Thomas and Harlan Crow. And not for nothing, the uh, horrid results of the, the dick implant Panuma thing. <laughs> They've been doing some pretty good reporting lately. I, I forgot about the dick implant story. Um, stories questioning the integrity of only conservative Supreme Court justices is bait for reeling in more dark money from woke billionaires who want to damage this Supreme Court and remake it into one that will disregard the law by rubber stamping their disordered and highly unpopular cultural preferences. Bro, too many words. This is a long sentence. It's too long a sentence. Anyways, um, that you know that honestly, what that kind of reminds me of. Did you see this story about? Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, you know, he's running in the primary against Bashir. Right. Did you see that, like, they're currently under investigation because they solicited funding from a drug treatment facility that they investigated? Like, they investigated a drug... The AG, the Kentucky Attorney General's office under Daniel Cameron, investigated a drug treatment center called, like, Edgewater. And then I think to basically be like, oh, but we can make this all go away if you give for, us... For a campaign contribution in the amount of... <laughs> That's exactly like what happened. I mean, allegedly. I love I that the guy is already corrupt as shit and hasn't served a day as governor. <laughs> like, he's off on the right foot, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's Also, just like the the thing being a drug treatment facility is like so... I mean, it makes so much sense, right? Oh, man. It's all, tie- all tied in. Yeah. You know, before we get too far away from Sam Alito, I, did I ever tell the story about uh, Sam Kaiser? I think I'd mentioned him before on this show. He was an old friend of mine. I'm not sure. I've not seen him in years. But he went to that Bethel place, you know, the Christian Hogwarts. as yeah. styled what the L.A. Times, I think, called it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know if... Sam's still in the church, I guess, or not, but he had prophesied back in, I got, I don't know, what what year did uh, the Lean Back remix by Fat Joe come out? I remember that was the song of the summer when he that said That's like 2004? Four-ish, five-ish, maybe, somewhere there about. Yeah. And uh, it was the same year Anchorman came out, too. I remember Anchorman. <laughs> yeah. That were bubbling at the same time. It's <laughs> so the cultural zeitgeist that's... That's what was happening in the world right now. Uh-huh. A bunch of guys running around saying, "I want, telling women, I want to be on you." <laughs> the uh, saying, like, um, uh, the Sex Panther thing. Yeah, what was the thing about lamp? I love lamp or something. I love lamp. They did. I love lamp. <laughs> uh, 
that sixty uh, percent of the time it works all the time. <laughs> all, you know, all the quotables from Anchorman. all the quotables, yeah, yeah. Well, every dipshit in the country was running around <laughs> quoting Anchorman. Sam Kaiser had a higher calling. He said that he, it was prophesied that Justice Sam Alito, when he was appointed, I guess maybe a few years before under Bush, right? He was, yeah. Uh, that uh, he was there to end abortion. Uh, he he himself had a prophecy? Yeah, he himself prophesied that Sam Alito's appointment. He was part of something called the ramp, which is one of those, like, I don't know, like, sea salt and all those like christian kind of summer camp kind of things where they do as far as i could i never was never heavy into that but maybe maybe you know something about that as far as i could tell they would just go to like uh, beaches in south carolina and do skits for a week or something like that (laughs) anyway he came back i just just want to point out like how far christian like christian bonding has gone because like now if you do that you're going on like a ten thousand dollar a day warrior mindset trip with your boys in in and lying to yourself that it's not homoerotic. Right, like, right, yeah. They don't yeah, do right. they don't do wholesome things like skits anymore. Like now no. it's like getting muscle you know, it's like taking your shirt off and lifting logs. No, it used to be they would just go to uh, Myrtle Beach and they'd spend time in a big facility doing skits. And then uh, some Christian folk singer who's <laughs> Uh, would come sing a song and say, I wrote this for my girlfriend that died of leukemia when we were in high school. And, like, the guy looks like he smokes weed, and you think, like, do you smoke weed? And you approach him after he plays, and he's like, oh, yeah. Uh, Officially, no, but if you've got some, we can... I mean, we totally burn out. Yeah. He's got like a he's got like a, a cross on his forearm tattooed, yeah. and, and like a so. kind of white boy afro. Yes, <laughs> yeah. you know the vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam had prophesied that the other Sam, Sam Alito, was going to be the justice that ends abortion. He said, "Let me tell you how we know this." He said that same year or the year before. The U.S. Bank Building was built across the street. I don't. I think it was he called it the U.S. Bank Building or something. But there was yeah. some sort of building built down the street or across the street from the Supreme Court Building. Yeah. And he said, and if you look at the architecture, it's shaped like an arrow, <laughs> like we're shooting arrows at shooting, the Supreme Court. Shooting an arrow straight at the Supreme Court. Yeah, the arrow of truth. The arrow of truth. So he said basically that because this building, <laughs> it would be perfect if it was the U.S. Bank building. Uh-huh. Like that is the most American, like that should be my first clue that American Christianity is actually satanic in nature, <laughs> is that the what what really is going to move the needle in this country is a building called the U.S. Bank building that's shaped like a arrow. <laughs> anyway, he prophesied that, and you know what? in the same way that like a lot of these prophecies are nebulous and you can actually be a prophet at pretty low risk. Uh-huh. It, it did come true for... It, it did come true, yeah. You know? Yeah, 100%, Unfortunately, <laughs> it did come true. It did. I'm trying to find the arrow. I mean, I love that everything... I love that all the architecture in America is like weird, occluded, like esoteric, like dark magic shit. It's yeah. like, it's it's like, you can scream till the cows come home that like, quote unquote conspiracy theories aren't real, 
And it's like, yeah, you can get carried away with them, sure. But it's like also at the same time, it's like when they built the architectural structure to represent the United States military in the shape of like a like a dark magical symbol from like the 16th century. Ah, it's, yeah. it's kind of a little. Yeah. And we built the facility across the street from Mollick and Sons uh, Investments. <laughs> Mollick. Oh, what are you talking about? It's a family name. German in origin. <laughs> Okay. Uh huh. Malik, Su- Malik and Sons and Associates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Alito said, "I want to assure people that I am committed to making certain that we, as a court, adhere to the higher standards of conduct. We are continuing to look at things we can do to give practical effect to that commitment." Uh, I I don't really care anymore. It's like people are like pack the courts, and then other people are like murder the Supreme Court justices in their sleep, and it's like, uh. I guess I agree with all the above, honestly. But I just hope everybody has fun. I just hope everybody has fun. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you choose to do, whether you want to suffocate them with a pillow or if you want to paint the court, hey, I just hope everybody has a nice time. <laughs> yeah, it's that's where I'm at on it. The problem I mean, I'm, I'm I'm going down in a plane on Wednesday. So <laughs> bye <Bye-bye>. bye. <laughs> bye bye. Whatever you guys want to do is fine with me. I'll, I'll see you in hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> mm. What if a guy? What if like? What if a guy carried a cyanide pill just for that? It's like. Like, I find myself going down in the plane, and the guy in the seat next to me is like, hey, uh, you want to break know, everyone's, freak, <laughs> everyone's freaking out. They've got the oxygen. <sighs> oh, my God. Everybody's running around praying, no, God, please, yeah. no. And just you and you and your seatmate are just kicked back, <laughs> I guess. Just a martini and a cyanide pill. <laughs> just like... <laughs> yeah, I'm not taking that. I'm gonna, I'm passing on that. He's gonna be. You want this? I'm be like, no. Nah, I'm uh, sober. I'm not. I've got. I'm. I've got nine months now. <laughs> it's a cyanide pill. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I won't take any chances. <laughs> if by some miracle I survive this thing, I want to keep my streak intact. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I have broke the streak. I did smoke weed a little bit a few weeks ago. I love that in America we treat sobriety like uh, Bozo's grand prize game. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like where you, you keep throwing the little ball in the bucket, and then you got to throw it in a bucket a little further away and a little <laughs> further away. It's the dopamine thing. Like, I, I get it. Like, counting days is counting days is a kind of a fun game, but... That's the thing, though, that like I can't, I can't get back into smoking weed regularly. It's just like, you know, that meme that's like, um, it's those Hispanic dudes playing cards, and one of them's like, "Is <laughs> capitalismo" or whatever. You know what I mean? Like slamming down the card. No, I thought yeah. you were talking about dog the painting dogs playing poker. I was like, I <laughs> don't remember. They've made a version of that for everybody, haven't they? <laughs> Presidents. Pa- Pancho Villa and Emiliano Zapata are playing cards <laughs> with dogs. 
It's like I was <laughs> talking to my brother. I was like, yeah, you know, it's like I smoked. It's like it was fine. But after like seven hours and I was still stoned, I was like, dude, I'm, I can't. Like, it's just like weed is too strong now. It's, it's insane. You, it's, and I think I told you this, and I think that you did a victory dance. You said, I called it. Back on the on Nick the ep- Offerman episode. You, yeah. Everyone, including Nick Offerman himself, scoffed at me. <laughs> I tried to tell it's you. It's true. It's, I, it's gone too left. <laughs> I scoffed at you. You're right. It's like yeah, you, you, got- you and the famous actor Nick Offerman <laughs> laugh at my expense. <laughs> when you've got weed bordering on 30% THC, like, dog, we are in, we're in a weed arms race. We're in a THC arms race. And it's like telling my brother this, who's like a very apolitical guy, tries to stay out of like all politics and is not on Twitter or anything like that. And he was like, you know why that is, dude? And I was like, why? He was like, it's capitalism, bro. And I was like, what? I was like, you're you're telling me this? But it is true. It's like by turning the industry into a capitalist enterprise, everybody's trying to make the dankest, most fucking, you know most fucking dank ass crystallized shit out there it's like 12 percent thc 12 to 15 that's all you need man well listen listen here may tell you something like here's the thing life is great with a little head change but life sucks when you're like anesthetizing all the time yeah (laughs) you don't remember shit you just lose years of your life and all that stuff like having a good head buzz is great but i don't like it's not even fun to be extremely fucked up no 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 it's not it's not fun to smoke it like (laughs) take one little hit off of a joint at like 4 p.m and then 11 p.m rolls around and you're just like (laughs) you're still pulling your hair out yeah (laughs) no what what is the appeal to that yeah, this is one thing I don't care to be a crotchety old washed man on. Like, mm. synthesis ruined marijuana. A perfectly shamanic drug turned into a fucking, <laughs> you know, a douchebag's playground. I agree. It's it's one of those things that you can't do every hour of every day. And I would even go so far as to say is you can't do it every day. It's like, you just... Uh, I mean, some people can. I'm just sensitive. It's like if I, I here's what I don't like. Here's here's where you know you've lost. Okay, and I say this from experience. I'm not casting aspersions, but when your personality becomes a substance, <laughs> like if you're the cocaine guy, I was a cocaine guy for a while, uh-huh. and everybody hated being around me. You know why? Because cocaine guys are fucking annoying. Yeah, <laughs> they never shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, I was in a airbnb a few weeks ago for a wedding in north carolina and the towels in this airbnb i don't know what the fuck they used to clean them but they smelled like cocaine so like all weekend i was having like pavlovian (laughs) (laughs) and listen that's not to say that cocaine's not good or weed's not good or whatever your vice of choice is not good but don't let it be your personality (laughs) let it be a a, a mild social lubricant Don't let it overtake you. Uh-huh. <laughs> are you the or is does the suit make the man? Does the mm. clothes make the man or does right. the man make the clothes? That's right. what you gotta ask yourself. That's drug good, use too. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to think about it, Tom. Yeah. Uh well so anyways. So I guess that about covers it for today. I tried to keep it like 
like I said, since we're recording this in advance, I tried to keep it like, because the day we're recording this, it seems like Twitter is uh, definitely going down or something, but like, who knows if that'll still be the case when this, when my plane t- is going down. I'll tell down. you what this is. This is the billionaire's version of uh, having your service interrupted for non-payment. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like when you're like, you're on your phone. Uh-huh. And, like, you keep trying to call somebody, and you're like, why does it keep sending me to Verizon customer service? It's like when you're a billionaire and that happens to you, it affects everybody just by the nature of the- <laughs> Just by the nature of your vast uh-huh. fortune. Yeah. Right. Damn. Oh. Damn, damn, damn. Well, all right, man. Well, um, thanks for listening to us this week, folks. Uh, please go support us on the website called Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Party. Um, you can find all kinds of content there, and we encourage you to go do that and support us. Because if Twitter is going down, how the fuck else are you going to get news? Ask yourself that. Don't ask how we're going to get it, because I don't know that the answer to that yet. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I've, we've decided to uh, uh, pull our resources and buy McClatchy. <laughs> That's how we're going to get our news. Is we're just we're going to own a media company. Own a media you company. You can buy for probably forty bucks now, <laughs> right? And we go to the office every day and we say, "What's the news, boys? What's the news, McClatchy?" Yeah, they're like, you could have just subscribed and we would have told you. You didn't have to buy the whole operation, but okay. Uh, here, bottom line, boys, we don't know how we're going to make the payroll next week. However, uh huh. for this week, we need the news. This, if Without Twitter, how are we going to get our brain, you know, completely riddled with, you know, rot, brain rot, online brain rot? Like, where else are you going to get that? You got to go to podcasts. So tell all your friends. It's like, this is the next best thing. Podcasts were waiting in the wing. We all thought that they were going to go the way of the blog. We thought that they were going to disappear. But in fact, it turned out we were... We've only become more powerful. That's right. We were silently biding our time, just waiting. We'll do the legwork for you so you don't have to. That's right. That is is if you're not mad at me for judging your drug use. Or for our opinions on travel. <laughs> God damn, dude. So, like, we, you're going to have to keep in touch with the world somehow. And I think that, like, you know, podcasts are best positioned to do that. Uh, I don't really believe that. Like, personally, like, ph- philosophically, if you were to ask me, I'd say po- podcasts are probably the worst way to <laughs> keep in touch with what's going on in the world. But... I'm saying this is Terrence Ray, the character on the show, The Trillbillies. You should buy subscriptions and buy your friend subscriptions and tell them, look, yo, this is the new big thing. Like, you, we, they have a comment section, and we can all get in the comment section and pretend we're on Twitter. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah. And you get to listen to something while you're commenting on the thing you're listening to. Yeah, and we're also going to have a main to us tier. A mean to us tier, yeah, 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 yeah. For five bucks a month, you you have to be on your best behavior. But at ten bucks, mm-hmm. buddy, you can treat me like I'm in a Dunkin' booth. That's right. <laughs> Pie me to... in the face all you want. Do your worst. We need to do that. We need to bring back the Dunkin' booth. Yeah, 
but you fall into Dunkin' Donuts coffee. <laughs> the city of Wattsburg used to have one. Just, just like, like used to have one on hand. It would just <laughs> sit in like a warehouse. I was like, why do we have a Dunkin' booth? Eh, nobody really knows. <laughs> I think that like every school has one. Like I don't know if your school was like this, but my school, like the last day of school was called like field day or something. It's like yeah. you didn't do shit. You just like ran around on the playground and like they let you dunk teachers in those things. Yeah. <laughs> That's what if as part of a uh when it comes my turn to write the farm bill, I think I'm gonna include uh dunking booths for every school, fire department. Every municipality Basically any institution municipality receives federal funding will receive a dunking booth. Yeah. And like We'll use that to fight fires, too. Like, if you're in a building that catches on fire and you run out and you're on flames, you get in the dunking booth. And we <laughs> Somebody throw it. a baseball. <laughs> Hurry, throw a baseball. Hit the and then everybody just throws it, keeps missing it. And you just go up the flames. <laughs> That's, we're fighting fires. That's, ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'm on fire. Help me. Stop, drop, and roll. No, I think I'll just try my chances with a dunking booth. Hurry, go. Go get an eight-year-old with a baseball real quick. I'm in flames. <laughs> I, this is great. We're we're innovating and disrupting the firefighting space. <laughs> That's true. So everything needs like an entertainment component to it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Firefighting, whatever. Like you got to shake it up. Yeah, I agree. Baseball. Baseball needs to be done like baseball in Japan, where they like come out in outfits and mm-hmm. like it's a little bit of a production, you know. It's a little theater to it, a little more theater to it than the American version. Totally, I agree. I agree one hundred percent, man. Um, all right. Well, that's about it for the day. Uh, thanks for supporting us. Go to the dunking booth at Patreon, and we will see you next time. Uh, fingers crossed. Ter- Terrence might not, but or I, I might not. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom will. <laughs> all right. Thank you all. Goodbye.